0: How's everybody doing today? Good. I, got, I just got to honor my wife. We're about to celebrate 13 years of marriage this week. We got to, yeah, a lot, many more. It went by fast, right? It just went by really fast. We got to celebrate. We went to Magnoliaville, Texas. I don't know if you've been there. Some of you refer to it as Waco. Um, but uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines own the town now, so... We went and spent some time there. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I really love my wife. I love being married to her. Marriage is great. So, But we're not going to talk about marriage today. We're going to preach the gospel today. Yeah? I was asking the Lord, Lord, what should I speak on? the Lord was like, preach the gospel. And I was like, I can do that. Um, so yeah, um, I'm going to share with you, a. Uh, I had a dream this morning. This is not like a, this is, I actually had a dream this morning. Um, and... So I'm having this dream, I'll tell you what the dream was in a second, but uh, my alarm went off at 5.30, woke me up out of the dream, and then I immediately read what I decided I'm just going to read you this morning. It doesn't have much to do with what we're going to talk about here in a second, but this is intense, and I believe it was a word from the Lord. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a dream, the dream is I'm preaching this morning, and in the middle of my sermon I, flat, I just fall out under the power of God, boom, which has never happened to me before, not only when I'm preaching, but just ever and so, I, but I totally fall out on my face under the power of God, and Pastor Glenn graciously gets up and just begins a ministry time. He's like, okay, we're just going to, you know, and everybody just leaves me alone, no privacy blanket or anything like that, and it was fine. And, um, and But I remember being out and, and being able to hear what was going on, uh, but not really, not really tuning into what was going on in the room. And after about 30 minutes, I get up off the ground, and Pastor Glenn's kind of wrapping things up, and they're... And it's River Nails Church. There's like three times as many people here. The room is just deeper. Same room, but it's just deeper. And um, and uh, somebody that we know is leading worship. And and anyway, so, I, and then I woke up. As I'm standing up off the ground, Pastor Glenn's got the mic walker. I woke up. My alarm went off. Uh, so I wrote that dream down real quick in my phone. And then I, I clicked over, and I, uh, I read two emails. I read the same two emails. Not... I read the same emails from the same people every morning, not the same emails every morning. Um, That would be redundant. And uh, so one of them is from Doug Addison. He sends out like a daily uh, prophetic encouragement. And it says, watch for greater power to flow from heaven. I'm like, okay, copy that. Then I click over to Dutch Sheets, give him 15. This is the title of his, give him 15. Let's dream a little. I'm like, ping, listening. Uh, so I'm just going to read this to you real quick. If you, don't fo- if you follow this or you already read it, sorry if it's repetitive. But if not, this is, just, this is worth listening to and worth uh, uh, saying amen to. Um, if you don't know what Operation Redeem All is, go back a few days and read or listen to Dutch Sheets, Give them 15. All right. It says, what will Operation Redeem All, part of the third great awakening, look like? Let's dream a little. It says, the presence of God will be incredibly strong in our lives and gatherings. His manifest presence will be so real that alone, that this alone will draw people to salvation. Worship will go for hours, even days, as people become lost in his overwhelming presence. Token worship times of 15 to 20 minutes will not be tolerated in places that are experiencing this outpouring. People will have tasted him, and nothing else will satisfy. Gimmicks will no longer be needed, thank God. Programs will have their place, but will not be the main draw or, att- or attraction. Bite-sized messages of 10 to 15 minutes will also not be enough. People will be hungry to learn God's Word and ways. Bible reading and study will be in vogue again. This alone will deal with much of the deception and humanistic thinking in America. People will suddenly care what God says and thinks. A biblical worldview will begin to be desired. The fullness of Christ's anointings will be manifested in the apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching giftings of Jesus, They will function at their highest potential levels. This will enable the church to fully manifest him. Christ will be clearly seen among the nations. Salvations will occur by the millions. The numerical growth of the body of Christ will be explosive. Every stratum of society, every age group, all classes of people, and every race will be part of this harvest. Divisions and prejudices will be overcome by the love of God. Campuses and universities will be on fire with revival. Classes will be interrupted. Events will be canceled. Students will gather by the thousands to worship. Teachers and professors, too, will be impacted by this. Deliverance will be dramatic. People will be freed from oppression, immorality, gender confusion, hatred, anger, rejection, eating disorders, mental disorders, fear, drugs, and more. Miracles, signs, and wonders will be prevalent, pointing people to Jesus. Extraordinary miracles will take place. Creative miracles will be seen. Incurable diseases will be healed. Crime will diminish, violence will decrease, entire gangs will be saved, drug dealers will be born again, pornography will decrease, poverty will lessen, love will abound. Government officials will be transformed. God will be honored in many government places. Laws will change, life will be honored, our Christian heritage will be celebrated. America will once again celebrate her role of exporting the gospel to all nations. The church will disciple entire nations, Kingdom principles will transform them from poverty to blessing, hunger to provision, and disease to health. Curses will lift. That was really encouraging. I read it this morning and I was like, okay, preview of coming attractions, let's go. Come on, Lord. I hope you're encouraged by that. I noticed just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend one minute saying, or maybe two, about what I'm about to say, and then we're going to jump into the, if you need notes, by the way, raise your hand. One of the hosts uh, will get you some notes. Uh, there's notes today. You're like, Nate does notes? I know how to type. Come on. <laughs> but I just, I mean, you may have noticed or may have experienced a little bit of uh, just kind of confusion, sadness, frustration in the last uh, month. Um, Especially, you know, especially if you've been fighting, uh, and just prayer and intercession and fasting and been believing and, and and just really, really going for it, praying for our nation. We've been we did it as a church and as a prayer room for months, and uh, and the the outcome wasn't uh, what we were expecting. wasn't what we were hoping for. Um, but there's there's a, there, I've had a lot of people approach me in the last couple of weeks with questions, and just I just want to I'm not going to go into it very much, but I feel like it's worth just kind of saying a couple things. Um, several prophets who we have chosen to believe and agree with, and um, and and basically lock arms with, prophesied that President Trump would would be elected, and so people are like, well, what happened? Well, I believe he was elected. That's my person. I personally believe that he received more votes. So um, in that regard. They were right uh, the, we had some prophets though that actually said, hey on January 20th President Trump will be uh, will be inaugurated into a second term that did not happen. So what happened there? I don't know I haven't talked to any of these prophets personally either they heard wrong maybe they read into the word that they received and the word they received simply was President Trump will be elected and they went, well that means that and filled in the blank sometimes that happens mix mix a little bit of the of the flesh with the spirit um, but the long and the short of it is, are we giving up? No, but our hope was never in a man or a party. Our hope is in Jesus. And so, and so what, what and also your prayers, intercessions, petitions, fasting, your, your love that was radically poured out for this church, for this nation, for the unborn, uh, made a difference and is making a difference. So, so just continue. Because much was exposed. That's Operation Redeem All. Is the new you have to read Dutch sheets things to be caught up there. But he, had some, one of his friends had a dream that we were in Operation Expose All. And that phase is done, and now we're in Operation Redeem All. Okay, and so I'm not going to talk any more about that today. But it's springboard. Is everybody? Can everybody just smile real quick? Most of, Most of you can. That's great. Okay, so pull, our, you pull your bootstraps up, right? Don't don't hang around, no more negative speech, okay? No more mumbling, okay? No more no more of this, no more of this like blah, blah 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 Because because is that is that like where Jesus wants us, or is that like where the devil wants us? Say it. That's where the devil wants us. Yes, that's where the devil wants us, is being negative. No, don't repeat, don't repeat me. I, I don't even know what I say. Don't repeat it. Just no, but. But all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, there is an encouragement from the Lord, and it's just a spirit of let's just get up and move forward and continue on with what we know to be right. Pastor Glenn ended his message last week with four things, and he and he called them four things that we can pursue regardless of who's president, regardless of circumstances. Four things that we're that we can pursue that we know we're just pursue the, those things that he said were to pursue the great commandment, Matthew twenty two thirty eight. To pursue the great commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. To pursue purity, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. And to pursue joy, Philippians 4, 4. Love these things. We've talked a lot about joy in the last couple months. Um, anyways, so the Lord, the Lord prompted me this week, I'm going to talk about number two, pursuing the great commission. Because I really believe that, that now is our time to shine. That's the, me- the title for today's message, right? Because church, you have never been teed up greater than you've been teed up right now in your entire life. You may never be teed up like this again. Do you know what I mean? It's a golfing term, right? So, so it's you know people that are just really really important have somebody else put the ball on their tee for them, right? Because <laughs> I'm not going to waste my energy bending over to okay. But <laughs> the Lord has teed us up. I know, but it, we still have to swing. The ball's not going to go anywhere if you if you don't swing the club. So, I believe it's our time to shine, to demonstrate the kingdom to the lost people around us by sharing the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, radically loving everyone who we come into contact with, especially people that don't know Jesus. If you are not friends with people that don't know Jesus, you need to make friends with people that don't know Jesus, because if all your friends are Christians, who do you evangelize to? All right. It's good to have friends that are Christian. Don't like, don't, like stop being friends with your Christian. Be like, I can't talk to you anymore. You already know Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying get more friends. All right? The Lord puts us in, in places and in circles and in, in jobs and in all these things so that we can be lights. So bloom where you're planted, right? I guess that's what I'm saying. All right. So I felt prompted to preach the gospel. Uh, the Lord it wasn't it wasn't only preached the gospel of the kingdom unto salvation because often often the gospel when we hear that we just think gospel of salvation it's just good news to get people saved and into heaven forever and and that is part of it but but really the New Testament teaches the gospel of the kingdom it's like all of the good news that comes with Jesus's life death burial and resurrection all of the benefits of Calvary all it's everything it's not just saving of your soul for eternity, although that is a long-lasting effect, right? It's good. But as I've said before, and I'll reiterate again today, salvation is not just, it's not life insurance, right, where you cash in on all the benefits when you die. It's, it's now. It's for now. There's benefits now, okay? So, um, but I also believe not only, not only I believe that every time we preach the gospel, I mean, I have no idea. I don't know everybody in this room, there could be people in this room that don't know Jesus, don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. This is for you this morning, primarily, right? Because the Lord desires that none perish. He wants everyone to come to saving knowledge of who he is. He wants everyone to be in relationship with himself. He died for everyone. You were, just picture yourself right now, everyone in this room, your name, your face, Pretend you're looking in a mirror. That was the joy set before him as he endured beating and crucifixion on the cross. Your face, your name, your life. He had you in mind. He did it for you on purpose. Okay? If you've ever heard that he only did it for a select few, just get that, be healed of that religious church room. Thank you, Lindsay. Okay? Because it's a lie. Okay? He died with you and mine. He loves you. Don't think maybe he doesn't love me. I might not be one of the chosen ones. And he died for you. He loves you. All right. But the second reason I believe that the Lord wanted me to, to, to preach this this morning was so that you could take it and replicate it. We're 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 made to be disciple-making disciples, right? We're made to be multipliers and replicators to represent Jesus. And so oftentimes preaching the gospel can just seem like a overwhelming task. It can be like, well, I'm not a pastor, I don't need to preach the gospel. I'm not a missionary. I'll just write a check to the missionary. That's how I preach the gospel. Man, don't let the don't let the the world of flesh and the devil steal from you what the Lord's put in each one of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're qualified. If the naked, demon-possessed tomb sleeper can be immediately released to go evangelize, you're qualified. Everyone looking around the room, y'all got clothes? This is good. This is step one. It's not even in the notes. It's, it's so beforehand that you're already there. All right. Romans 1. 16 and 17. This one's out of the New King James, all the rest of the verses I usually use out of the NIV. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. So what is this? How many of you have heard this verse before, right? Good. What's the gospel of Christ, this power of God to salvation? What is it? Oftentimes, if you're a kid, some of the kids' curriculums teach the gospel is just simply the good news about Jesus. And that's super true. Love it. Uh, but I, I just like to, it just doesn't pack as heavy of a punch, right? Because those who have been forgiven much love much. I've been forgiven a ton. And so I'm like, no, it's more than just like, yay, good news. It's like life-altering news, right? Life-changing, life-altering news. It's the news that Jesus Christ is God and he is good okay? It's the news that he loves you. It's the news that after he came and was born, like, of a virgin, he Philippians says he humbled himself, so he's eternally existed with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, but he decides to humble himself and be born a baby, right? Setting aside access to his deity, but becoming fully man, okay? That's important. Jesus became fully man, and he lived a sinless life. That means he never did anything wrong. Can you imagine being one of Jesus' siblings? Mom, Jesus just stole my toe. He's like, no, he didn't. Don't even try that. Jesus is perfect. Gosh, Jesus. That's, you know, that was the only time where it was ever right. People were like, Jesus. They were actually talking about him. It was his brothers and sisters. Right? Don't write that down. But no, seriously, he lives a sinless life. This is part of the gospel of Jesus. He lives a sinless life. And then, spends just one day, he walks out, and his cousin is baptizing people, John the Baptist. He's baptizing people. It's baptism of repentance. Repent of your sins, right? And Jesus walks out, and he, and he says, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, no. And he goes, yes. And he goes, okay. So he baptizes him, and the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him, and Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus spends the next three years showing us what it means to be a man or a woman filled with the Holy Spirit, in perfect alignment with the Father, and releasing the kingdom on on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he spent three years radically loving. He spent three years pouring out everything that he had. He spent three years using the, doing what he saw the Father do, saying what he heard the Father say recalling the Old Testament and bringing it into the new light, he spent three years loving radically. He spent three years hanging out with people that were not followers of Yahweh. He spent three years hanging out with people that were not church people. And he poured himself out. Then he went to a cross and died a sinner and a criminal's death. Why? Well, he definitely didn't do anything to deserve it. Remember, this guy's never sinned and he's getting he's getting this this death this crucifixion as if he was the worst of sinners but he did it because there was an exchange that had to happen because when adam and eve sinned the original sin every single one of us is born into a, a sin nature both both by nature and by choice right what came first the sin or the sinner yes <laughs> you right you you're born into sin and it's just you're just separated And so the Lord sent, he he sent Jesus as a way to reconcile, right? To make right what had been stolen. And Jesus, when he died, there was an exchange that happened. And he took on, the reason the Bible says the Father had turned his face away is because he took on your sin and my sin, the sin of the world. Sins that had been committed, were were being committed, and would be committed, right? Took them all on, meaning, meaning he took the punishment, the eternal punishment for it. He made a way because, because the other part of that transaction was that he took your sin and gave you his righteousness. If, and this is the big if, you believe in him. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period, yes, and amen. He died to make a way so that could be possible. The gospel of Jesus Christ is also that he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he conquered death, made a mockery of those that wanted him dead, hung out on earth for a little over a month, and then ascended to heaven. He floated to heaven. You believe that. You believe weird stuff. He floated up to heaven. People watched him. And that's where he continually sits at the right hand of the Father, makes intercession for you. He's praying for you. And he'll come again. And we're waiting for the return of Jesus. And he's going to make every wrong right. Every single one. The gospel is not an enigma. So real things, real information about a real man who is really God, who we really give our lives to, who we really have a relationship with, a vibrant, communication-based, love-based relationship. I talk to the Lord, he talks to me. I love the Lord because he first loved me. I give my life to him, what does that even look like? It looks like I'm saying, Lord, whatever you, I've I've laid down all my, if I hadn't have laid down my stuff, I wouldn't be here in Texas. Not that I don't love Texas, but it wasn't my idea for me to move here. I was obedient. I'm so thankful for salvation. I'm so thankful that Jesus died for me. I had this thought this week. Think, just think back. If, you have, if you're a believer, meaning you believe that Jesus Christ is God, And that you've confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your, you know in your knower that God raised him from the dead, right? And that you have made, that you are an active follower of Jesus. I want you to think back to who shared the gospel with you or who led you to Jesus. Just think back. Maybe it could have been a progression, right? Like a lot of people planted seeds in you. And then one day, the Holy Spirit broke in. Or it could have been one person that sat down with you. It could have been somebody that you knew had, had prayed for you for years and years and years. But think back the person that shared the gospel with you, and that led you to Jesus. Aren't you so thankful that they weren't ashamed of the gospel of Christ? You see, God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty has chosen to use his created man to carry out his purposes in the, in the earth. That God has said, yes, I've died for all men, but all, not all men are going to say yes to me, and that he's actually left it up to us to, to share the gospel of the kingdom. Sometimes, there's exceptions, sometimes he just sovereignly shows up in someone's dream and goes, I'm Jesus, and they wake up, and they're like, yep, that was Jesus, I believe now, and th- but that's the exception, okay? You and I aren't called to show up in people's dreams, right? So, we're called to love. We're called to demonstrate and to preach the gospel, and aren't you so thankful that someone did that to you? Aren't you so thankful that someone did that to them, because you are a disciple of a disciple, of a disciple, of a disciple, of a disciple, all the way back to the original. Amen. Did you know that? Think about that. Aren't you so thankful that the people before you were not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? It was just a great thought this week, I thought. <laughs> Another aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God, John three sixteen, God so loved the world... That he gave his only son. So whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus came because the Father loved. Jesus was sent to live and die because of the Father's great love for you. He had so much love for this creation that had rejected him that he went, I will send my son to pay the price for this sin, this great evil that they've embraced. My son. My only begotten Son is going to take care of it. Some of you may have heard the gospel explained as what's, called, what's referred to as the Romans Road, right? How many of you are familiar with this? Yeah, I've led people to Christ this way. It's, it's just a tool. It's great. It's kind of a, kind of a map through Scripture, through, through some rom- verses in Romans, but I'm just going to read them out real quick so you can see the progression. Remember, this is, this is for you in the room, but it's also for your, for your toolbox. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, say all. all. Yeah, it includes everyone, even you, Ben. <laughs> Trust me, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Christ died for you for the chance that you would say yes to him. Do you realize that? He died for you. He gave his life. He was tortured for you for a maybe. It wasn't even guaranteed. He died for you for the chance that you would say yes to him. That is a radical, radical love. Anything I know, every person in this room would take a bullet for a loved one. I know that. How about, a stranger? How about someone who hates you? How about an evil person? Jesus did it. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then Romans ten thirteen: for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I've taken people through this before, and it's just truth, 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 truth. You get to see I'm bad, he's good, free gift I don't deserve. I say yes to him, I believe in my heart, and I'm saved. So good. Since being at River in the Hills, which has been like over four years now, which is, it went by very fast, almost four and a half, I think. Um, I've prayed a couple things, uh, big things over the body here. Some of them we've already seen realized, which is just really cool, but just things that the Lord put on my heart, on Kaylee's heart personally, just to pray over what was then our new ch- our new church family. Now you're all old. <laughs> just kidding. I am kidding. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to share all those things, but I'm going to share two with you today so you can see just uh, one of the things that I've prayed, and I, I shared it a lot early on. Now it's been more of a prayer. Uh, but I, I've been praying, and I firmly believe look at me. I believe that river in the hills would be a church where 100 percent of our people tithe and give to the church. I believe that. As you know that, that Barna says it's impossible, right? The, the statistics say it's not possible, and it's, and it's almost offensive to say that or believe it. Because it's just not going to happen. People are like, it's just not going to happen because there's always going to be a percentage here and there's always going to be a percentage here and there's always going to be... And I was like, the Lord really, really laughs at statistics. <laughs> he laughs at 100% of them, right? <laughs> They're all 80% made up anyways. So it just... He laughs at our statistics. And so I... Listen, I believe we're not there yet. I, maybe, I believe. I know we're not there yet. But I believe that not only River and the Hills can but I believe we will be a church that is known for radical generosity, where every single person that calls River in the Hills Church their home tithes and give offerings to the church. I believe it's going to happen. The other prayer I've been praying is that River in the Hills Church, that our people would be known to be radical lovers of the lost, okay? Not not just radical lovers, but I mean, because it's great. I mean, I, I love everybody here. I mean, I've I, do things for people. I mean, I love my family like I love my family, period. But it's just harder for me to love people that are, that are against the gospel, that carry an antichrist spirit, or that, that have different, you know, views, uh, you know, or that are just whatever, that are waving the abortion flag. Like, it's hard for me to just, like, to embrace and love them. But that is, so I'm, the prayer is covering me, too. Like, Lord, I want to be I want to be a man that radically is known for radical love of lost people, where sin doesn't impress me, that the works of the devil don't shock me, surprise me, right? In the New Testament, when the disciples come back to Jesus and 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 they go, hey, Jesus, we can't cast the demon out. And Jesus, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And Jesus, or I'm sorry, there's a man comes to Jesus, says, Jesus, your disciples can't cast the demon out. And Jesus goes, oh, unbelieving generation, right? And then he casts the demon out, and the disciples come to him privately, and they go, why couldn't we do it? And he said, it's because of your unbelief. This time, this kind only comes out with fasting and praying, right? And you, If you've heard this, from me, just, just bear with me. I think it's important that he didn't stop and fast and pray, right? So it's like, how did he cast the demon? Well, and when, when you go back and you look at that story, that boy it said that the demons had been throwing him into the fire and the water, trying to kill him. I guarantee you, I guarantee you after careful study of Scripture that that boy was hideous, very hard to look at. If you've been thrown in fire multiple times, you are covered in scars, maybe open wounds. If you've been drowned, maybe, maybe he had brain damage already, right, from asphyxiation with the water. Maybe, I mean, he probably was, a, probably when he, when it, when he brought when the father brought the son to the disciples, I think they were a little impressed by what they saw and not a good way. But Jesus had a history of prayer and fasting where he was not shaken by what he saw here. He was moved by what he saw here. And so nothing that was presented to him made him go, <gasps> because that's all it took for the disciples to have zero effect in deliverance with this guy is for them to go, and all of their belief left. Jesus said, it's because you're unbelief. And so I believe that we will be such radical lovers that those things that we see that easily offend us now won't even phase us, because we're gonna be looking right through. Lord, help me to see what you see. Let me see the gold. Let me see the hurt. Let me see the wound. Lord, what's the word of knowledge that's going to set them free? Lord, where are they physically hurting right now? What's the diagnosis they just got? What do you want to heal? Where do they need deliverance? What's that seed? They heard the gospel when they were six years old. Hey, you're sitting in your Sunday school class. You heard the gospel. You believed Then You walked for a year, and then you saw your parents get divorced, and you stopped believing in God. And he says he loves you, and he saw you, and he never left you. Come back. Those types of things set people free in an instant. But it takes communion with the Father. It takes looking at what he's doing, listening to what he's saying, knowing his word, and being radical lovers of the lost. We have to be willing to be made. You're going to get made fun of. I promise. You're going to get mocked. You will lose friends. All of that will happen. So don't don't sit like, what if I lose friends? You're definitely going to lose friends. People are definitely going to unfriend you off of anti-social media. People are, people are definitely going to make fun of you. They're definitely going to slander you behind your back. It will, it will positively happen because Jesus said it would. <laughs> like, don't be surprised. That's what he said. Don't be surprised. He just sets us up for such success. He loves us so much. Worship team, you can come back up. Here's the four action steps that I want us to take away today. I'm, I'm, I'm doing them too. Earlier this week, I wrote down names of lost people that I've been ministering to, whether it's just been for a very short time or if it's been years because I, I want to pray for them more because if, I, if, we're not, if we're not doing the first step, go ahead, Sloan, put that up there, what I call the pregame prayer. If we're not making an intercession for the lost people and we're, we're missing a huge steps like shooting yourself in the foot, let the Holy Spirit partner with his yes over them, and let the Holy Spirit come in and soften the soil. Let the Holy Spirit come in and do the transforming work. See, you don't save people. You just win souls. He saves them. Pressure's off. You don't say you can't save them. You can try, but you can't. Only he can save them. We have to make intercession for them, these lost people, just a part of our daily lives. We're not making mention of their name before the Lord. We're missing a big part Pray for your friendship to grow and develop with these people because relational equity builds a very, very strong bridge when the gospel presentation is a marathon with somebody. Sometimes it's boom, it's hey, it's word of knowledge, gospel message. Let's pray to receive Christ and they're saved. And it, sometimes it goes like that, and sometimes it's a marathon where they're obstinate to it. No, I don't need that, I don't need your church, I don't need your Jesus, I don't need your, I don't need your prayer, I don't need that. And Sometimes you have to play a long game, especially when it's family, right? Relational equity builds a five-ton bridge so that it won't crush when you drive a five-ton truck over it. If you build a two-ton bridge and you drive a five-ton truck over it, it's going to crush. So pray that the Lord would give you insight into how to grow your friendships and relationships with these people. Number two, your heart posture has to be love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says that if I don't have love, I'm nothing. It's a good principle to apply to anything that we put our hand to in ministry. If we don't do it out of love, in love, for love, through love, all the love, 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 then we're, we're missing it. We have to be moved by love and compassion. Jesus was moved by love and compassion. Everything he did beca- is because of love. He died because of love. He healed out of, com- out of compassion. Out of compassion, he was moved he saw through all the the ridiculousness, and he loved. Number three is the message and the demonstration. This is replicable stuff, right? You got somebody, you're like, okay, I'm gonna pray for for Joe. I'm praying for Joe, right? Number two, Lord, help me to love Joe like you love him. Help me see him how you see him, Lord he's going to, the Lord's going to reveal things to you, and you just, you just pray. The more you pray for him, the more you're going to grow to love him. The more you see him, you're just hugging him, right? How can I serve you? Learn his love language, right? You you, you do these things. Number three is the message and the demonstration. Let me ask you, what would Acts chapter 2 be, right, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost? What would Acts chapter 2 be if the Holy Spirit comes and everybody's speaking in tongues with fire on their heads, and then they go, all right, that was fun. Let's go back to our villages. Everybody goes back confused, offended, and thinking they were drunk, right? What's Acts chapter 2 if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up with signs and wonders, and Peter decides he's going to get up in front of everyone and go, Hey, everybody, hey, the Lord's going to pour out his Spirit, just like he said in the book of Joel. and, And I'll tell you what, no one listens to him. That's what happens. No one listens to him. Who's this Jew that wants to get up and just, and just tell us that everything that we're doing is wrong? But when you mix the message and the demonstration, 3,000 people get saved. Same exact acts, but if you separate them, nothing happens. When you put them together, everything happens. It's power evangelism. It's the message and the demonstration, the demonstration of love, a demonstration of, of of signs and wonders, miracles, healing, deliverance, whatever it is. The Lord uses it to get people's attention and point people back to Himself. That's what He does. He does it because He loves. It's not just a show. The Lord could reach and grab somebody by the by the sweater and say, "Look at me." He can do that, but He does it because He loves. He's like, "Yeah, but I want I want him better." I died. I took on cancer. So they don't have to have cancer. So I want them to be free of cancer. So he gives them, you get a word of knowledge. They they need to heal the cancer. And you pray. Cancer leaves their body. Now all of a sudden, the Lord has their attention. And then you come in with, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about his life. I'm going to tell you about his death. I'm going to tell you about his resurrection. I'm going to tell you about how good he is, how much he loves you, and how you can just say yes to him today and give give your heart to him. Give your life to him. See how they're mixed. When they're mixed, it works. And number four, this is a big, big <laughs> failure, <laughs> right? In the in the church over the last couple decades, <clears throat> has been has been number four. The follow through. See, the follow through is is first and foremost water and Holy Spirit baptism, right? We need to get immersed in water and you get immersed in the Holy Spirit, right? But then it's church. It's local church attendance and involvement. This is the body of Christ. If we add an appendage but leave them out there, how are they attached to the body? We bring them in. We bring them in and we say, here, here's your family. Learn. There's a lot of wise people here. And then it's discipleship. It's making disciples. It's turning that person not only into a disciple of Jesus Christ, but a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ, where they're gonna take and, and replicate what you just brought to them, which is just Jesus. It's the follow-through. These are these are things that every single person in this room is equipped to do. God doesn't call you to do something unless he also equips you to do something. But he doesn't... often. I've done this, I've been guilty of this, I've been saying, well, Lord, just... Make me better at evangelism, but then I don't actually go evangelize. It's like saying, Lord, make me better at baseball, and then never playing baseball, because you're like, well, I'm not better yet. It's like, well, it's because you're not practicing. You can pray, Lord, make me better at baseball, but you got to go out and swing the bat. You got to go out and play catch. You got to warm up the shoulder, right? This making sense. Remember, I only know sports and construction metaphors, so that's. <laughs> the only ones I can give you 10 more sports metaphors but none other all right if you're here today oh one more thing we're gonna go a little bit late sorry not sorry if you're here today and I think Lindsay even your word about the church wounds I promise this is a personal preference. I don't mean to offend anyone if you've ever said this or this is your paradigm for ministry, but if if I hear every head bowed and every eye closed, slip your hand up and sneaky let me know if you said yes to Jesus, if I hear that again, I'm gonna vomit. What's so shameful about saying yes to Jesus? If we say we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, then it's like let's make sure everybody hides so that you can like, ding, I said, yeah, no, come on, come on. this is life and death. If somebody's standing in front of a bus, are you going to be like, well, I don't want to, I mean, what if I get their clothes dirty when I push them out of the way? I guess I'm just going to let them get obliterated by the bus. I mean, think about it. It makes no, you would never say that. I'm not saying anyone in this room is in this category, but I'm just telling you, I'm not gonna tell everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm gonna tell everybody to open their eyes and cheer their butts off. But if, if there's anybody in this room, and it's okay, and if you're online, and whenever this message gets played again, because I know it's out there forever now, which is just really intimidating. But, <laughs> but, uh, but if, if you've heard the gospel today, I don't care if you've sat in church for 20 years, 30 years, five years, doesn't matter, or if it's your first time, if you've been toying with, like, is this real? Is it not? I hear so many things. If you're saying yes to Jesus, if you can confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you're doing that for the first time today, then you need to get, you need to get celebrated, okay? You need to get celebrated. If you're watching online, if this is happening for you, you need to get celebrated. If you're alone, celebrate by yourself with Jesus now. And, and, and it needs to happen, Okay? But the other half, and and let's just do that right. Is there anybody in the room that's saying yes to Jesus for the first time today? Please be excited about it and don't be shy. Heal any wounds from any church things. Okay, no, that's okay. All right, if there's anybody online, raise your hand, I can't see you. So the other part of this is if you want someone to pray for you who's really good at this, who's really good at sharing the gospel, then I wanna give you the opportunity because it's not, they're not gonna, it's not going to be magic to where you're all of a sudden, you're all of a sudden just like not going to get made fun of, not going to be afraid, and all your fears aren't going to be realized, but there's an there's a, um, impartation that I believe can happen with people that are, that are loving, compassionate, that, that have a, this heart of, of evangelism that... That love to reach out to the lost people. That love to do these things. And I don't. I, I don't mean to put too many people on the spot. A few people I know are working with kids. But Joseph and Chelsea, can you guys come up here? Yep. No. I, I, yeah. Come on up here. Uh, Lindsey and Eric, can you guys come up here? Kaylee, will you come up here? And I think. I think the other two are uh, working with kids today. But these are people that I know and by the way if you're not up here doesn't mean that you're not good at this so these are these are people why don't you go Joseph and Chelsea can you all come down here these are people that I I've personally witnessed that that are good at love, compassion and going out of their way for people that don't know Jesus and and oh there's another one right there do you mind coming up here Or, or you don't have to yeah come on up here these are people that love lost people. These are people that, that have made it a point to develop relationships with lost people. These are people that have evangelism in their heart. These are people that are, are genuinely compassionate. And so, if you want to be prayed for, if there ends up being long lines, just say a five second prayer, guys. It's just impartation. Lord, anything that you've given me, I give to them in the name of Jesus, right? And, and I want you to come up and receive because we need every tool that we can get our hands on. We, and it's our time right now, church. I'm telling you, the world is so confused. You think you've been confused and you have the hope of Jesus? The world is hurting and confused and just lost. They don't know what to believe and who to believe and who, who to be mad at and who to like. and who to, they, they don't know any of that. When you come in as the constant, when you come in with love, when you come in with hope, when you come in with the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, you're gonna, there, it's going to be all eyes on you, which is, you're just pointing to Jesus, so it's going to translate into all eyes on Jesus, all right? Let's pray. Why don't you guys stand? Even as I'm praying, if you want to get prayer, come down and meet these people. Let these people lay hands on you. Get impartation. Don't leave without getting impartation. Don't be too proud. Say, oh, I got it. I want I don't want people to think that, I don't want people to think that I'm not good at evangelism. I'll tell you what, I need to get I need impartation. I need impartation. Go ahead and start praying. Lord, we just thank you. God, I thank you for the gospel of the kingdom great news that you are god and you are good and that you love us that you've died for us father that that it's a priority for us to pursue the great commission to pursue the great commandment father to move your heart and to change the world i thank you god for the words you've spoken over river and the hills god those lines move god's heart and change the world father i know that i know that We have the order correct, and I know that they both feed into the other one. Lord, that the world is changed as we move your heart and that your heart is moved as we change the world. Thank you, Lord, for the callings, Lord, for the anointings. Thank you, Lord, for the giftings that you've put in this body. Thank you, Lord, that you will, I just speak by faith, add to our number daily those who are being saved because, Lord, people are dying. Lord, the people are dying apart from you, and there is not a second chance. People are going to hell. Lord, would you break our hearts for the broken around us? Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours as your word says that you desire that none perish, Lord? May we have the same desire that none perish apart from knowing you, Fill us to overflowing, Lord. God, may we minister the gospel of Jesus Christ from a place of overflow, from a place of true love where we've spent so much time with Jesus that we can't help but let it out. Father, thank you for these, Lord, who set such a great example for the rest of us. Father God, may we receive impartation through them, God, every good thing that they've said yes to, the the heritage that they've developed. Father, may it be passed right now through the laying on of hands. God, may we as as a family partake, Lord, in the good that you've put in these. Pour out your spirit. Send revival. Awaken, Lord, our nation. Father God, signs and wonders and miracles, Lord, salvations, healings, and deliverances, God. You're the answer for the hurting world. You're the answer for a divided world. You're the answer for an ununified church, Lord. Unify us again, Lord, around you, Jesus. Around you, Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let us give in anymore to negative speech. Being wounded, offended, and bitter, maybe even at you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to forgive.